Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this episode of the THW Debate Podcast, where Heather, me, that's me, Eric, and Noah are in the recording studio back after um, an amazing break. Not really. Everyone I, got COVID. I got COVID. Yeah. Everyone got COVID. Everybody, good. Everybody, Everybody did. did. There was this thing on Chinese WeChat. WeChat is Chinese. There was this thing on WeChat. <laughs> oh, no, no. There's a difference between Chinese WeChat and like international wechat there is they, yeah yeah like different terms of services they go through different servers well they, girl they what was on it they don't <laughs> spy on you as much yeah yeah let's let's get to what was on it basically my dad was telling me he was like there's this meme now where it's like if you don't know a friend who got covid you don't have friends oh yeah that's not true i don't have friends and i know people who got covid <laughs> <laughs> most of us are well protected um but i guess I literally got COVID while like not seeing a single friend for like a solid month. I don't know how that happened. <sighs> so sad. Yeah. yeah. We're all booster now, I'm assuming. No, I wasn't able to get one in Alberta yet. Get boosted here. I will, yeah. yeah I, 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 I arrived on Friday night. Well, <laughs> Saturday morning. <laughs> wow. Anyways, if any of our audience needed an update from us, whether we got boosted or not, I guess, well, here's your update. We're tackling a topic or a category of topics this month. Not really this month. That is vastly different from COVID-19 vaccines. Feminism is our category of this month. We're starting it hot. and oranges. It's equally, equally controversial <clears throat> by some of the far right in America. They all hate what we're talking about. That's true. I saw so many protesters yesterday. Oh, yesterday? Oh my God. Dude, it was crazy. I was Where? Are, like, here? Yeah. yeah. You, you I were didn't like, see them. I must have missed them yesterday. They're it was like, like so long. Like 20 minutes. So long. So I've never many seen people. That many. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to get into our topic. The topic for today is This House Believes That the Feminist Movement Should Support the Narrative That Beauty Does Not Matter Over the Narrative That All Bodies Are Beautiful. As per usual, we dive into our topics by framing and characterizing what this motion is about. And specifically because this is the first motion within the feminism category that we're talking about, I think it would be great to clarify what the feminist movement itself is and what are the waves that are associated with it. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to say, and this is like the secret that ruins feminism debates just like forever for you. But the feminist movement is not like a monolithic movement. And I don't just mean that in terms of like, it's a big movement made out of like lots of smaller parts. It's literally not a single movement. So often we will debate artificially, as in this debate, you know, for the sake of debate, basically that the feminist movement, the feminist movement, as if there is one feminist movement, should take an action. In the real world, there is like really no situation where feminism can ever be unified on anything because there's no big organization, even at national levels, that is given like central or cultural authority as like the feminist representative organization. So yeah, just keep that in mind. All of these debates are quite artificial because they require us to believe that feminism can behave as one group. Mm -hmm. uh, when in reality, that's, that couldn't be farther from the truth. That being said, the feminist movement ideologically has gone through a couple of distinct shifts over its lifespan. Um, so you'll often hear these talked about as the three waves of feminism. I don't think we really need to go that deep into it for this motion, but some useful things to know, especially if you hear these terms in a debate round. The first wave is suffrage, which means 
fighting for the right to vote. So first wave feminism was about political participation primarily. Mm-hmm. And in North America, that meant for white women. It was not like a for all women. It was specifically for white women. But, you know, in other countries that could be different. The second wave is uh, a bit later and is usually seen as like participation in economic life, career opportunities. So this would include things like women entering the workforce, things like the start of like equal pay, Mm -hmm. the challenging of conventional gender norms about what makes gendered labor. So what is like a woman's job versus a man's job Mm -hmm. under capitalism also shifted. Um, And now we are... At the third wave or moving to the fourth wave, that I think is up to debate. More recently, since like the 90s-ish, we've moved on to, maybe even earlier, but we've moved on to third wave feminism, otherwise known as choice feminism. So this is feminism that seeks to maximize personal agency for women, to choose things that either abide by patriarchy or don't. That is kind of unimportant. So maximizing choice, maximizing your options. Mm -hmm. You'll hear this type of thinking or argumentation a ton in feminism motions, and it originates from the third wave. And arguably, we're moving into a fourth wave feminism that is a lot more critical of choice feminism, is critical of the true agency that women have, that is more cognizant of structural patriarchy in cultural forms, in political forms, economic forms, etc. So there is a shift away from that as well, but that's your mini... TLDR three waves of feminism. Eric, did that all go in? Yeah, it did. I I had no idea. (laughs) But I mean, we did talk about it beforehand as well. And I did do some research uh, on the on like choice feminism, which was Mm -hmm. quite confusing to me. I didn't really know what it meant that it promotes agency. But I guess we're going to talk about it. It almost feels like this. Yeah, this is kind of aside from the motion. But choice feminism, it almost feels like you read it and you're like, what's unique or interesting about this take like women should get to choose like everybody reads it they're like yeah yeah, yeah obvious but that's right? also obviously. because we've all been raised on like a world where third wave feminism is the norm mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we are like at the part where third wave feminism becomes popular and mainstream mm-hmm. so to us we look at that position as unquestioningly as we might have at one time looked at like you know the market solves unquestioningly or the idea that like democracy is the utmost importance in international relations. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of beliefs that we like in North America have just been automatically trained to think of. I think mm-hmm. this is one of them. Yeah. Um, and I think that might change in coming years. Oh, that makes really sense. Interesting. That makes sense. I watched a Netflix original called Skater Girl recently, and mm-hmm. it was it talked just about that basically. Yeah. Like the choice of a teenage female growing up. Mm-hmm. is in India is different than that of a North American teenager. It's mm-hmm. often hardest to learn or self-teach about ideologies that are already ingrained within you mm-hmm. because you almost can't understand how that could ever not be the case. It's so heavily centered in the norm that you almost don't know where You don't believe to, it yeah. almost. You're like, well, how you can't imagine a world where that isn't what you believe or other people believe, mm-hmm. which I think is a pretty good tie into this motion because topic that we're talking about is beauty. Mm -hmm. And I think beauty is a more specific version of that exact concept. I think it's something that is so ingrained in our minds, the concept of beauty, the concept of beauty standards, that it's almost impossible for us to imagine a world where we don't hold that, where other people don't hold that, or even where it doesn't exist at all. So I think that that is important context for this motion. 
when I was preparing for Govern Op, it's something I mentioned on both sides. Yeah. That this is, we're coming from a position where people heavily ingrain beauty in their sense of self and their sense of other people, mm-hmm. whether conscious or not. Yeah. And I think with that intro set in place, we can kind of get into how we characterized this emotion individually. I I can start first because personally, when I saw this motion, there were a few words that like I highlighted in my mind. Firstly, this motion is a believes that motion, which means you know, you're supporting the idea of something. And then I also highlighted the feminism movement um, because this is not just do we as a society believe that we should support one narrative over the other? Rather, it's the feminist movement, which means all of my arguments or most most of my arguments, I hope, are more so rooted in what the feminist movement already believes and whether or not these narratives can fit into what the feminist movement itself is believing of. That makes sense. To me, I also took it from sort of like a feminist perspective. But then again, I didn't know what the feminist movement entailed. So I wasn't able to catch the latter half of uh, your perspective there. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, once again, I think Noah gave a really good, like, clear cut definition of what the three slash really? four ways. I don't think I gave a clear definition. Okay, it was concise. It was, it was concise. concise. It wasn't okay. concise. It was concise. We, I think concise we can all agree. Concise, but not clear. That's the model <laughs> of the debate podcast. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, that's debate in and of itself. Um, So once again, for our audiences, we would highly encourage you to do some more research on the terms that we're using, um, especially terminology that you're not familiar with. I think once again, when when we throw in big words like feminism or the patriarchy, like it's become so common commonly used in our society now. I feel like actually a lot of people could do with a reminder of what the actual definition is or what the historical context is Mm -hmm. to actually be able to accurately apply these terms and use it on a day-to-day basis, knowing what they actually mean and being able to explain why they're actually behind something like smash the patriarchy. Getting more into characterizing, um, after I thought about Belize that and the feminist movement, and then I thought about beauty does not matter versus all bodies are beautiful. In my perspective, as a woman, when I think of this, beauty does not matter. First of all, to me, seems like I disregard the concept of beauty in and of itself. And I would view myself and I would view other women as just a being. Like they exist, their knowledge, their bodies, their perspective and everything that exists in a vessel rather than viewing that vessel as something that can be characterized by physical appearances. And then when I thought about all bodies are beautiful, the way I perceived it is we would then appreciate this vessel that carries the soul and knowledge of the being and then say, like, say, whether subjectively, objectively, or whatnot, we would just say they are beautiful. And we would acknowledge the physical appearance and the physical makings of that Uh, vessel. I would tend to disagree with that, but we'll get into it as the debate progresses in that you you basically said that beauty is one of the only metrics by which to define a woman by. I don't think that's what I said. That's what I took from the first uh, first part of what you said. If I recall correctly, you did say that in the absence of beauty, you finally regard uh, another female as a being who has all the knowledge, all that except for beauty, and that you place such a high value on beauty that removing it 
would substantially improve the quality by which you judge another mm-hmm. woman. I don't think that's what I said. I think it's more so like we're removing one of many factors by which we either perceive, understand, or judge another. And then in the second narrative, which is all bodies are beautiful, we're only adding, we're merely adding that factor back in. Mm -hmm. And when we add it back in, it's not something we should be subjectively critiquing or commenting or judging on. Rather, it's just something that we accept as true. I think this is why like, it kind of gets into almost the debate itself, because in this debate, government is going to want to really emphasize and like argue or even overstate that beauty is too heavily centralized in people's perspectives, whereas mm. Op wants to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Op wants to push that beauty doesn't really interfere with appreciating other virtues, merits, etc. So it's hard to like in a general vacuum describe like which each side represents because mm-hmm. each side is going to want to push like yeah. how significant is beauty. And that is up to contestation. I'll just add one little thing to the framing, which is that, again, the feminist movement is not a monolith. It doesn't operate with a cohesive ideology, really. Not that it doesn't have like similarities or things in common, but it's not like one movement again. Mm -hmm. In other words, that means that this motion, just like most feminist motions, is coming from a position where neither side is actually the status quo. So keep that in mind if you're ever debating a motion like this or a feminist motion. The opposition sides is not defending the world as it is right now, which is a world where we have a mix of this messaging, where there is, you know, a lot of just like beauty standards that are pushed out to like praise particular beauty features that are new. So I would say that op is more similar to what's more common in feminism, Mm -hmm. but both represent a change. That's really important because it means your burden of proof is not actually to show that you improve things on gov compared to the status quo it's to show that your direction is the better direction to turn at the fork and i think keeping that in mind we're good to start getting into our individual points and cases as per usual we start off with eric like you said i chose to conceptualize the idea of beauty as the construct of beauty leads to another metric to judge individuals by and this can lead to further inequality, right? This is another metric, just like race, just like culture. I think this is the core fundamental argument that I have for Gov is that like, why use another metric to rank people or to perceive people as or to judge people as? My second point is that it leads to a further division as like a following of the further inequality. It leads to a further division between wealthy and poor women where wealthier women can afford to have better makeup, skincare, and medical treatments. And similarly, in non-beauty-related environments like work, uh, women would not be judged by their beauty if beauty is not a metric. So in hiring, in talent agencies, they would not be judged. Okay. I think for me, the way I took it was from the perspective exclusively of women who identify with the feminist movement. So I first started off by establishing like how currently women in this world are plagued by body insecurities and just in general this it's almost a norm now for us to judge each other's bodies and then also for women to judge other women and side with men when they judge women in their lives that sounds convoluted basically it's the concept of pick me girls in a nutshell And also combined with mean girls who hate on each other and critique each other. So 
knowing that this is the premise and knowing that this is the world we live in, it is therefore easier for people who already have really terrible, who deal with self-image issues to accept that their looks do not matter rather than be forcefully have uh, forcefully having to identify with a narrative that their body is beautiful. What I mean by that is in essence, we would rather have people accept their bodies as such rather than having to teach them to love their bodies because acceptance is the first step before even being able to appreciate your body and then love your body. So that's kind of my first mm -hmm. idea, which is the idea that by supporting the narrative that beauty does not matter, you first empower those who are being gatekept or gaslit into believing that their beauty is of some sort of worth um, when it is many other factors right. that are in this. I have something secondly as well, but it mainly focuses on how the feminist movement itself should be promoting the idea that women can be and exist in any way that they want to. And in a way, the second narrative that all bodies are beautiful rejects this idea as such, because in essence, it's almost forcing women or pushing upon this narrative that they should believe something that many women still to this day do not believe. And I just think as a feminist movement itself, if this is what you stand for, singularly ascribing to the idea that all bodies are beautiful doesn't actually or is not inclusive of women who are still battling body issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's funny. My points on op are exactly the opposite as yours. We can get into that. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly um, the opposite. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see. I see where you're like hinting at. I think I have some similarly like whatever the opposite points but i will add a few things that i think have not been mentioned so far so i think a concept that's really useful in this debate is the idea of the male gaze so the male gaze is basically a hypothetical like not really hypothetical but more like imagined ab abstracted constant like male observing Mm -hmm. of how women are and how they act and how they dress and what they do, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So the male gaze acts as like a, almost like a panopticon, like a constant, like never ending surveillance. So this is like, you know, the instinct to suck in your stomach whenever you go to see somebody or like always making sure that your hair is presentable, even if you're just going to the grocery store. So I think that the male gaze is pretty much inseparable from beauty, at least on government, we'd argue that um, because beauty is a set of standards or a set of beliefs of what makes things look nice, but it's defined by those who set the standards. You know, that sounds like, you know, A equals A, one equals one, but it's true, right? So if men set the standards for beauty, then that means anytime we cling to the definition of beauty, we are bringing that influence back in. We are bringing the male gaze back in. So yeah, you could think that like all bodies are beautiful and still be concerned if you look hot before you go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. If you're like the number one person to like pick up on a date when you go to Walmart, right? You could still have the constant anxiety of being perceived, of acting beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also because beauty in our society is not like an innate feature that people have. Rather, it's something that exists like as a potential. So you are not like innately beautiful. You can be beautiful. That's why we say like, oh, like 
you know, like you should wear more makeup. It's like prettier if you wear more makeup or you should wear less for that matter. Um, or the idea like, oh, if you just lost some weight, you'd be so pretty. So I think a lot of the ways that we think of beauty is like when we say all bodies are beautiful, but we also still believe that beauty is not something inherent. Rather, it's something that can be achieved or mm-hmm. that is potential. Then really what we're thinking is all bodies are potentially beautiful. And in my opinion, that's a really dangerous thing for people to think. Because that's what leads to things like, oh, you know, this skincare is for me. It's not for men. It's not for like my anxiety. It's not for my like low self-esteem. It's because I want to feel good. Or like thinking that the things that you do to look good are like, oh, I wear things that cinch my waist because I feel like when my waist is the smallest, that's my best silhouette. Mm. When really it's like every single silhouette that we say is flattering Mm -hmm. is something that minimizes the waist. So I feel like... There is really no way to have all bodies be beautiful Mm -hmm. without requiring the pressure for women to put in the work to achieve that beauty, to live up to the male gaze. Yeah. That's interesting because that's definitely a golf argument. Sorry, Heather, go ahead. No, it's like, it's when you were saying this, I, I forgot, I remembered something I wrote down, which is the idea that like, I really wrote down here, all bodies are beautiful narrative still leaves room for doubt, judgment, and labeling, which is a more general take on the mm-hmm. male gaze idea. But I think to actually go to explore what you said about how doing all of these things are still ascri- ascribing to a certain societal standard of what beauty is. I remember having this com- this discussion with a friend where she was like, I don't understand what it means when women are like, oh, I'm doing this because I feel confident. Like I put on makeup because... I want to look pretty. And she's like, I don't like, I I feel like part of it is that you still want male attention or that you still want this. And then I, and at that time I was like, no, I don't think so. I mean, I dress up for myself or I wear makeup for myself. But then when I actually think about it, like, see, watch the language here. I look pretty versus I look pretty to to blank, right? To men. Mm -hmm. I look pretty is a statement of like, it's a description, right? Self-acknowledgement. I look means I am, but mm-hmm. I look pretty to others. Mm-hmm. That here, look becomes a totally different word. It has a different definition. Mm. It's no longer a synonym for am. It now is a synonym for appear, present, perform. So we often say things like, I feel confident. Mm-hmm. I feel confident to whom? I feel confident for which group, for which society. Mm-hmm. So feelings like confidence or prettiness, we like in English, we're capable of saying that people innately are that way to equate appearing with existing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, is that actually possible? Can we be those things if not for in the context of society? Can you be if you were like, this is such a weird abstract, like totally I need course correction here. But like. If you were on a desert island, can you come across as confident? Like if you're alone on a desert island, can you come across to confident? Come across to who, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just acceptance, right? You, you accept that you are to yourself, to oneself, that you are exactly. confident or if you, you are beautiful. Well, but if you, if you like, you can't come across as confident to people that don't exist. So to be confident, you know, I feel confident with how I look. Look to who? And I think that a position of ambivalence 
is the only way to successfully decouple that. Because when we say, I look pretty, I mm-hmm. feel confident, we're missing the like indirect object there. And we omit it in English because we're so ingrained to think that how we appear is just something about us and not about others. Wow. <laughs> I'm speechless because I think that was, I thought that was so well put. Oh, thank you. That was honestly really well put because I, at that time when my friend raised that point, I didn't know what to say back because I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not someone who just like walks around the house with like a full business attire, hair done, makeup on, like, and like, don't go on zoom. Right. Like, or just like to clean the house or just like on a mm-hmm. Saturday morning. That's what I, so. It reminds me of this tweet that we kept, we probably kept put this in the episode, <laughs> but it's like, I always have to be the most fuckable person at the target. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh yeah. That gives us a lot to think about. And for our audience who are only halfway through the episode and are now hit with this epiphany, please feel free to just pause and oh, get a water God. break and then come back to this because I feel like that's what I need right now in order to continue recording. <laughs> But we will push forward and move on. Eric, do you want to finish with like a last thought before we go into op? No, but I really want to start off off with just, just, just one point. <laughs> okay. I, I just feel like my op was just counter to everything that you, you just said. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's just, I'm not sure if I'm like thinking the wrong way. I, I'm pretty sure I'm just like out of my rocker or some shit. But I said that beauty is a subjective measurement of oneself and is not quantitative and comparable between persons. And that this construct would always exist subconsciously as a function of biological instinct that dates back to like mm-hmm. millions of years ago. Right? That, yeah. you, that you cannot fundamentally destroy this idea. And so instead of trying to destroy something that is biologically instinctive, you have to teach acceptance rather than ignoring its existence like race or culture. And that is exactly the opposite of what you said, which is that all bodies are beautiful does not teach acceptance. And in fact, beauty does not matter. This phrase empowers people. Whereas my point, uh, my sub point under that is that beauty does not matter actually does not inherently empower anyone, but rather all bodies are beautiful Mm -hmm. does because it's instead of a subjective measurement of of, of oneself from others, as you said, Noah, the male gaze, mm-hmm. right? I am, you know, fuckable, the best, the most fuckable person <laughs> at Target. I think we should keep I it just, in. We should keep it in. No, we're, we're keeping it we in. Can, yeah. We can bleep it. <laughs> I mean, we, we I, like, we, we swore all the <laughs> Once time. again, we've sworn so many times at this point. It's fine. It's fine. Anyways, so, and so instead of reverting beauty to like mm-hmm. a subjective measurement from someone else, you are instead promoting the narrative that beauty is a subject measurement of oneself from oneself. And that was the main point of my op. I really like that. I mean, personally, I think that that's your main path to victory on op too. Mm -hmm. I had, I mean, I'll say more about it later, but I had a really similar approach, which was, uh, you know, try to reframe what beauty is. It's something that cannot really be discarded, but instead is something that can be easily shifted can easily be reworked or redefined Mm -hmm. um, at least much more easily than discarded so yeah I personally think that that's um the core of the op right there yeah I think to first like talk about Eric what you said in the beginning which is what my gov was like I I think my gov was mainly aimed at women who were not or who did not feel or who did not love their bodies and who Mm. did not accept their bodies Mm -hmm. I think from my perspective on Gov, I, 
like the way I see it is the biggest impact that could occur and the group that we should be caring about the most are women who do not accept themselves, who do not love themselves, and who subject themselves to societal norms in the male case. Which is why I felt like channeling the idea that beauty does not matter is a safer and more approachable narrative to first subscribe to before moving further. But I agree with you as well that the idea that like we should acknowledge all the bodies rather than disregarding the beauty of bodies because to ignore the beauty is to also ignore the misogyny stereotypes and abuse that has come with centuries of absolutely uh, you know absolutely. <laughs> like however long our society has existed is however long this has happened and to ignore it is to simply just be like okay well i guess these things don't have didn't happen and that they don't matter and that they don't hurt us when we hear casual misogyny being dropped on a daily basis, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think to kind of backtrack as well, for me on op, I, I would actually, just as a meta debate kind of thing, I would actually start off by saying that our stance on op is that we support both equally. We support both narratives equally. It, this is not like a vacuum where only one narrative can exist. I think once again, when we're talking mm -hmm. and going all the way back to talking about what the feminist movement is, it is not a singular movement. And therefore, it shouldn't just embody a singular narrative. Rather, we would support both rather than choosing. And then my first point following that before getting into the concepts we were talking about was the idea that we should let people preach and believe what they want to. And as a movement, we shouldn't be looking to prioritize for others on their behalf. Rather, uh, we should be aiming to cater towards all and then letting people choose which one they would like to ascribe to at the time of their like belief system. Personally, I feel like you kind of have to defend because the motion says like option A over option B. Mm. So I feel like on up, you kind of do have to defend like all bodies are beautiful as your main one. That being said, I think that's an important distinction for any team to keep in mind, gov or op, yeah. that just because the feminist movement takes a stance doesn't mean that they're like hostile or refutative or dismissive of the opposite option because again they're both different paths on the fork of the road so feminism may not say beauty doesn't matter but that doesn't mean that they don't welcome people who have that opinion or that doesn't mean that they go out to argue that it does matter or should matter so i think that's also like i think you can still make the argument on op that op is accessible to more people and gives more people agency over how to define their own relationship with beauty and doesn't require refuting the other side. Mm -hmm. In a more general question then, in like debate meta, mm -hmm. is it better to do or is it advantageous to go a more moderate route in order to like cover more ground or is it better to focus in on like a more uh, direct argument? Mm, I think it depends a lot of the motion, but like the general strategy behind each is more moderate position has is lower impact, but is easier to defend. And then a more like hardline stance is obviously higher impact, but has more potential places for attack. Mm -hmm. So it just defend, depends on like, how well do you think you can defend what you're about to put out? Yeah. If you don't feel confident in your ability to defend it, you should go with something that's safe, but you can be richly rewarded for taking a harder stance. Yeah, debates that race to the middle often end up very low speaks too. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even if you win, you might not have like the speaker score to break if you like keep doing the strategy of going to the middle. But it just depends. Sometimes op is just inherently a middle ground position. Yeah. Um, in this case, I think op does have to 
mainly prioritize all bodies are beautiful, but on both sides, there's room for either perspective to participate in feminism for sure. Great learning opportunity for our listeners as well. Don't take my very just like wishy-washy stance, but no, actually there's a lot. It made sense. Yeah, it made sense. And there's a lot that's still valuable there. Cause Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I had for op is that it's like not everybody is a feminist or identifies as a feminist Mm -hmm. or is like connected to feminist discourse. Um, And that includes women. So in order to be appealing to people, sometimes like taking messaging that is more socially acceptable, like this, this messaging on op is more common in the status quo because it's commercializable. It's more accessible to people. More people will come across this messaging. Companies will more easily shift their messaging to accommodate for it. And you just reach a lot more people, give a lot more people the option to counteract the male gaze and the patriarchal version of this narrative. Mm-hmm. So I think your point still stands. Your point, your this side is the side that reaches out to more people mm-hmm. and is accessible for more and gives more people more agency. I still I stand. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So the last bit that I'll de- uh, just add. So like I said, I agree. Like Eric, that are really core framing in this round is that beauty is too core to discard. It's too difficult for people. Earlier, I brought up the example of like. What if you were on an island? Like, can you come across as confident when you're alone on an island unobserved? But um, like we live in a society, TM. We are not (laughs) on an island. So like even if it's not biological, which I think there's a very strong argument that there is like some sort of biological component to innately, you know, viewing and categorizing people as beautiful. Like we live in a society. We are bound to social norms. So like on a practical level, uh, you can almost approach this debate less about which world in an ideal world is actually preferable, but just which one is like more practical. Like if you were to take a messaging, like what's what makes the better ad campaign? What's catchier? What changes more things, right? If Calvin Klein has like skinny white models that, you know, represent a certain body type, can you be like, take it down. There's no beauty in this world. Mm-hmm. Or can you be like, maybe you should have diverse models. Mm-hmm. CK will be like, yeah, we'll have diverse models. That's fine. Makes us some money too. So it's so much easier to get any of the changes or like mainstream application of the narrative. Mm-hmm. And because you're constantly combating the male gaze and the existing beauty standards, like wider reach is more important. That's what I'd say on op as well. Like even just disregarding which one is actually, which one actually feels better in an ideal situation, which one is the better PR campaign? Capitalism. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> low key, <laughs> we exist in capitalism. So I guess sometimes we have to like use the messaging that spreads better in capitalism. And I think that's, you know, that's fine. Okay. I think that wraps up this motion for today. This house believes that the feminist movement should support the narrative that beauty does not matter over the narrative that all bodies are beautiful. I hope this episode was as insightful as it was for our listeners, as it was for me, because I feel like now I have a lot to think about. (laughs) But yeah, thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you back here next week.